This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. My name is Amanda Simmons. I am Pastor Kevin Simmons' wife, and I'm so excited to be here and very, very excited about the message that God has given me um, and put in my heart. Um, And I want to just say thank you to those that serve. We have some amazing um, people that make what we do every day um, or what we do every week possible. They do, they serve blood, sweat, and tears, guys, and um, I'm so grateful for them. I'm also grateful for a staff, a church staff that comes alongside us and uh, their family to us, and we do life together, and I'm really grateful for them and just want to thank all the staff members. also want to thank my husband, who is also my pastor, that he would... um, be um, courageous enough to allow me to be up here, <laughs> not just once, but twice. Um, I'm also just really grateful for who he is and what he's done in my life. So um, I want to talk about uh, bitterness this week, and um, I was kind of thinking through the series that we've been in. We've been in a series called Fire and Water, and in John 16:33 it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And a lot of trouble um, that we encounter are kind of like fires. And we have the opportunity to either add gasoline to those fires and make them bigger, or we have the opportunity to add water to the fire. And water is uh, like grace. And so by giving grace, we kind of diffuse some of the fire. And so I love, like, this is kind of my favorite quote for the whole series. Um, And Kevin said it. He said, grace doesn't say it's okay, but grace says it's okay to move on. One of my favorite lines for the whole week. And let's just talk about the three weeks. Because as I was reflecting and as I was studying, um, I thought it was interesting how they all kind of interconnect. And they especially connect to bitterness. And so the first week we talked about expectations. The second week we talked about pride. And in the third week, we talked about judgment. And all of those together can create bitterness. And so the truth that God revealed to me was unmet expectations, pride, and judgment left undiagnosed and untreated can cause us to become bitter. So unmet expectations, pride, and judgment can cause us, uh, left undiagnosed and untreated, can cause us to become bitter. So basically, if you have any of those things, um, it will cause us to become bitter. If you are not addressing pride in your life, if you're not addressing the fact that you have these um, high expectations that you put on people, um, all these things, if you're judging others, like it is all going to lead to bitterness. 
And so I know some of you are probably like, well, Amanda, how do I become bitter? Because I need a little bit more bitterness in my life. I don't have enough bitterness, right? Um, Well, let me tell you, because it is the perfect accessory. Uh, Those of you ladies, um, bitterness is a perfect accessory. You can take it anywhere. Um, It uh, works great if you're trying to destroy your marriage. Um, Any relationships you want to destroy, guys, like bring it to your man cave. I'm telling you, bitterness is a great accessory. So let me tell you how to become bitter because that's important. One, you need to pre-decide what's right and wrong. So go ahead and judge people, all right? You look at them, you know, just go ahead and judge them. That, That really does well. Then, number two, just reject grace. I know God said to forgive. Just reject it. No big deal. Reject grace. Three, practice holding on to hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I know I went through that fast, so let me kind of step back, and I'm going to go back over them again. But pre-decide what's right is number one. Um, So, again, judge everyone, right? Uh, Number two is reject grace, okay? Nobody deserves grace, right? Why give it to them? Number three, practice holding on to hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And while this is kind of funny to think about, we all do all of these things. In fact, when I was thinking through it, I'm like, man, you know, like that is something I do all the time. Um, I feel very guilty of it. Uh, And so what is bitterness, right? What is bitterness? Um, We need to know what it is because it's important. Um, Bitterness is the result of withholding grace. Bitterness is the result of holding, withholding grace. It is when you decide that they don't deserve it and you are not going to forgive them um, and you're just going to withhold that grace. Um, it's also not trusting God's plan. Um, and I think it affects multiple areas. It can affect our heart, our perspective, and our relationship. I think it's interesting because I think it affects our relationship with God and we don't even realize it. And I'm going to go through that a little bit more later. But it affects the way we handle other people even. Even if you're bitter towards someone else, it can affect the way you handle um, someone else. But most importantly, it does affect our relationship with God. It is. Um, it. it starts in our heart and it just grows and affects all areas. I've even seen it affect people in their health. And so why is it important that we address bitterness? Um, It's important because God cares about our heart, and so we should care about our heart too. God cares so much about our heart. He cares so much that he's going to allow you to go through things that are difficult just so that he can get your heart in the right place. And so, God, if God cares about your heart, you need to care about your heart, too. So, I want to tell you about this um, time that I think maybe some of us can relate to. Um, have you guys ever had a dream where it felt so real, and when you woke up, you thought, like, this is your reality? Anybody? So, I had this dream about Kevin. It was not a good one. Um, it was not good at all. And uh, He did something, I don't even remember what he did, but something I didn't like. Um, and so I woke up and I was just so angry and, and frustrated and he wakes up and he's like, good morning. And, um, I just look at him. I don't say a word. I give him like the stank eye and, um, (laughs) he looks at me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, you know what you did? 
he was like, uh, no, I really don't. <laughs> what did I do? And I start to reveal my dream. And so I start talking to him about the dream. And as I'm like talking through it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably not real. Um, and he starts pointing it out like, Amanda, that would, did not happen at all. <laughs> and so I started realizing, okay, that's, that's not real life. Um, but I, use, I, I say that example because I think sometimes bitterness creeps into our life without even us realizing it. Because even in the midst of a dream, I'm sitting here like bitter over um, with my husband and so frustrated. Um, and there's a lot of cases in our life that we do that. There are miscommunications that happen out there. People, you know, gossiping and saying certain things and it, it, it grows that bitter root. And it's something that's not actually like realistic. It's not something that actually happens. So um, that does happen. But I want to talk about a time when I was also bitter with God. And, um, and I had an entitled attitude because entitlement can also lead to bitterness. And so I, um, I, I think we all live out a story, but there are always backstories to our story. I think all of you know, like we all came in here um, with our own story, and um, we all have a backstory to what our current story is. And so this morning I walk in, and I've got, you know, two of my kids. Um, my husband took care of one, and, you know, we've got this beautiful family and um, what, what you don't see in that is our backstory to that, because um, that is our current story, yes, but our backstory was a little different. So I wanted to be a mom for probably as long as I can remember. It is like when career choice, you know, came around, mom was it for me. I wanted to be a mom. That was the most important thing to me. And I was told when I was 16 that I may, you know, struggle getting pregnant and um, so I knew that, but I still held on to hope, like, you know, God can work this out. Well, years into being married, um, and then years into trying to get pregnant, that did not happen. And um, what happened is I became really bitter. I became really frustrated with the Lord because I felt like I was supposed to be a mom, and God wasn't making it happen. And then I would see people get pregnant that didn't want kids, and I would, I would just see all of this stuff. And, and the reality of what I knew of other people, um, most of my friends, they just, you know, had to look at their wives and they get pregnant. You know, the, the wives just all they had to do was think about getting pregnant, and they were pregnant. And so that's what I knew of it. And so I became very, very bitter. I also went through some, some health issues, and, and I remember one day, I remember crying out to the Lord. I screamed at him. I gave him every bit of bitterness I had just been, I've been holding on to for years and years and years. And I cried out to him and I'm like, Lord, it's not fair. And God silenced me and said, what is fair? What do you say to that? I mean, how do you respond to God? Um, I didn't know what to say. And then he said this key word. He only said one word after that. He said, entitled. I just sat there, and I thought, wow, God sees that I'm entitled, and I am, because I feel entitled to be a mom. I feel entitled to all this stuff, and really, I'm not entitled to the air I breathe. Who am I to say that I'm entitled to be a mom? And I think it's really interesting and amazing to me that in that moment, I released all bitterness towards God. 
I released every bit of bitterness. And that release of that bitterness gave God an opportunity to speak into my life. And he changed my heart. Because remember, God cares about our heart. So we need to care about it too. And so he spoke into my heart. And wouldn't you know, one month later, I get pregnant. We get that miracle that we had been praying and praying for. But God knew I needed to change my heart first. God knew, like, that my heart was the most important thing and that I did not, I was not going to be the mom I needed to be if I didn't change my heart. And so God allowed me to go through that and allowed me the years of pain, the years of longing, the years of just wanting that baby um, so that I could be in the place that I am. So I want to talk today about Jonah, and because I believe when I think about bitterness, Jonah is the first um, book that comes to mind. It really is, and I think part of it is because it's kind of personal to me, and um, Jonah has been one of those stories that has carried with me throughout um, many years. And so the backstory of Jonah, some of us know the story of Jonah, and, and a lot of times we focus on Jonah um, and the whale, but I'm going to focus on a different section. But let me just kind of give you some backstory, those of you that may not know um, Jonah's story. So Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't like that idea. Nineveh was a, um, a population of a lot of crime. It was a population that um, had a lot of sin. Uh, there was a lot of bad stuff in Nineveh. And so Jonah didn't want to go, and he escaped. He ran away. Um, he got caught up in a storm when he um, tried to get away, and he admitted, hey, this storm is here because of me, because I ran away from God. And so they threw him over. He was eight um, up by a whale, and he spent time in the belly of a whale or a big fish. doesn't matter. Um, but he spent time in there. And then he is spit out onto the shore of Nineveh. And so that's kind of where I want to start because God calls him a second time. Because don't we serve a God of second chances? I love that. I love that God um, gives us the second chance over and over again. And so God gives him a second chance and he, he calls him again. And so God asked Jonah, he says, Jonah, I need you to speak to them. I need you to help them turn uh, their heart away or I'm going to destroy the city of Nineveh. And so Jonah finally decides, okay, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And so Jonah preaches to them. He tells them, all right, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You need, because God's going to destroy um, your city. And they responded. So I'm going to start here in Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So God saw that they are responding to what Jonah is saying. Meanwhile, what's interesting to me is that the whole reason Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh was because he knew God is gracious. He knew God was going to give him a second chance, and he did not believe they deserved that. And so Jonah wanted to judge them. Jonah was angry over the fact that they're starting to change, and he did not. He wanted to withhold grace, but God gave grace in this moment. 
Like they were evil. They, they did all the things that we can think of that are like not good. And they immediately started fasting and praying and turning their life over to the Lord. And God gave grace. Where God gave grace, Jonah gave judgment. So in Jonah 4, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So I know, like, in ministry, like, I'm thinking, man, he's called to this place. He, like, got them to turn their life. Isn't that the goal? Like, we want them to turn their life over to the Lord. But he didn't. He was so angry over it. He was so mad that God would give them grace because he felt like they didn't deserve it. And so when we go back and look at the steps to bitterness, number one was predecide what's right and wrong. Jonah decided this was right and wrong, right? He decided what they were doing was wrong and what they were doing did not deserve grace. And number two, reject grace. He was willing to reject grace. He did not feel like they deserved God's grace. And number three, practicing, practice holding on to hurts, habits, and hangups. Jonah was really good at that. He was great at holding on because he held on to that bitterness that he originally had. It was the bitterness that turned him away from what God wanted him to do, and he held on to that. So let's look at Jonah 4, 10 through 11. Um, so what happened? Let me kind of explain what happened from there. Um, what happened was Jonah ended up saying, Lord, let me die. I don't want to be alive anymore. Um, I'm so angry over this. And so he kind of runs away. He sits up on a hill. Um, God provides a shady plant uh, that he sits under and, and gives him some comfort of the shady plant. Um, and then what happens is God also provides a worm, and a worm eats up the plant. And Jonah, yet again, becomes angry and bitter over that. And so that's where um, this ends here. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? God has done everything to point Jonah to to let go of this bitterness. He gave him second chance after second chance, and I wish I could say that Jonah's story ended like beautifully, but it ends with him being bitter and angry, and, and God still works through him. That's the amazing thing is that God still worked through him, but I don't want to, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to end my story being bitter and angry like Jonah. Because he had the chance, he had the chance to forgive them, he had the chance to embrace grace, and he chose bitterness every single time. He even chose bitterness towards God. And so, let's talk about how we can deal with our bitterness. Bitterness denies the goodness of God and claims God got it wrong. You are basically saying that God is not good and that he got it wrong. Now, I know some of you are dealing with some really difficult things and things that, like, people have done to you that are not okay. 
I get that. But bitterness can create something in you that is so destructive. Bitterness can do something within you that um, it, it, it is destroying. Like it is going to affect every area. Um, and so I want you to think about your past pain. I want you to think about, you know, what have you experienced? Is there anything that you're holding on to? Anything that that you feel like is unforgivable? Um, I want you to think through those times. And I'm going to tell you a story about, about mine um, a little bit. So those of you know, uh, or maybe you don't know, and it's okay if you don't, um, but I used to be a banker, and then I um, became a teacher, and I'm in my sixth year teaching, and I love teaching. I feel like it's a calling. It's something that I'm meant to do. Um, I absolutely love it. And so I experienced one of the worst teaching years a couple years ago when I was pregnant with my third son. It was one of those life-changing years that makes you question every single bit of your decision with career and everything. And so uh, some stuff had happened to me. I'm not going to go into details, but some things had happened to me that have, like some teachers have never experienced in their like 40 years of teaching. Um, there were some really difficult things that I had to walk through and go through. And um, that stress of that year ended up causing me to have my son a month early. Um, fortunately, God was gracious. God, um, in fact, the, the scripture that he gave me every single time during that year was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um, throughout that whole pregnancy, I had to lean on that verse. And um, it was so difficult. It was absolutely um, just the worst year. And so over the summer, I decided I am not going back. I will not go back. That was terrible. Like, I'm not going to experience this again. I'm not going to put myself in that position. It risked the life of my son. Um, and you know, like, my kids are important to me because I had prayed over them for so many years. Like, I did not want to put my kids at risk when, when I had had such a terrible year. And so I was angry over it. I was bitter. And I was like, Lord, please, please, please don't make me go back. And you know what's funny is God brought me to the story of Jonah. God brought me to Jonah, and I read Jonah probably, I don't know, 20 times. And he's like, I've called you to Nineveh. You can run away, absolutely. You can run away. But if you run away, you're going to spend your time in the belly of a whale. And so as much as it sucked, I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to go back. But then God does not stop there. God said, you can go back physically, and you can choose to be there physically. And I'm going to do something through you because I, because I can do something through you. But I want you to be there in your heart, and I want your heart to change because I want to do something in you. So let me remind you again, God cares about our heart, so we need to care about our heart too. And Jonah, in the story, Jonah decided that he was going to be there, right? He finally made the decision the second time around, like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do what God said. And he does. He does it physically, right? Physically, he's there. But in his heart, he is not. So he is left being bitter. And so we have that choice. Like, yeah, you can do the right thing. Absolutely. And, and God's going to do something through you. But I don't know about you guys, but I, wanted, I want God to do something in me. 
Because if he does something in me, he can do something way greater through me. So we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Romans 8.28, everything happens for your advantage. Everything. It says in, in Romans 8.28 that God causes everything to work together for our good. So everything that happens is for our advantage. And so even the worst of situations, I, I mean, again, I get it. Like there's some really crappy situations that some people are going through right now. But you need to see that God is going to use your pain. God is going to use your situation. Don't allow that bitterness to creep into your heart. So let's talk about number two. Bitterness is the enemy of intimacy and God desires intimacy with us. So when I think back to the story um, with me, with wanting to be pregnant, I was so bitter and angry towards the Lord, but I gave that to him. I screamed out to the Lord. I gave him everything I had, and everything I had was bitterness. And so I gave him my bitterness, and he was able to speak into my life. Because what happens is um, bitterness is, is like a poison. It is like somebody doing something bad to you and you drinking poison, expecting them to get sick. You drink the poison and you're expecting them to get sick. That's what bitterness does to us. It kills us. It doesn't kill the person that has hurt us. It kills us. It, it manifests its, itself inside of us. And so Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Work at living in peace with everyone. Everyone. Even the annoying coworker, even the like person that did you wrong. It said, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will seek the, or see the Lord. Look after each other so that the name of the none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because that bitterness in you can affect every single person around you. And unfortunately, it affects the people that we actually care about. Not the ones that have done us wrong, but it, it's the people around us that are close to us, the people that love us. It causes them um, problems as well. And so bitterness is the poison of unforgiveness. Bitterness is the poison of unforgiveness. That's number three in your notes. Refusing to give grace gives bitterness a place to grow. We give bitterness a chance to grow by choosing not to give grace. And I don't know about you, but that, that kind of hurts my heart knowing that I've allowed bitterness to grow in my life, and it did affect everything. Because bitterness can take root in our heart, and it can affect every area of our life. It kills marriages, it kills relationships, and most importantly, it can kill your relationship with the Lord or keep the Lord from speaking life into you. And God is speaking to us, and God wants to talk to us, but if you create a prison wall around you by being bitter, because what happens is when you say, I'm going to be bitter and I'm not going to give grace, you're building a wall between you and people and building a wall between you and God. Because bitterness can build those walls. And unfortunately, that does not give God the chance to speak into your life. So keeping God out of your heart keeps your hurt and keeps you bitter. It's like holding on to that hurt. You, you 
are not free from it. You are imprisoned with that hurt. You are imprisoned with all of that pain because you're not releasing that bitterness and you're not forgiving. So I think there's a lot of us in here I mean, I think we've all experienced bitterness at some point. In fact, right now, I believe God wants to free you today. I believe that God is doing something in your heart, that he is stirring something in you, and I believe that he wants to release that bitterness in you. And if you may be saying, Amanda, it is too great. What I have, what I've went through is too great. I just want you to watch this video because I want you to see how you might be able to give grace when you think you can't. It was a regular morning, about 8.30, 8.45, got a knock on the door, and it was my sister-in-law. She just looked at me and said, there's been an accident. It was Megan. She didn't make it. I just screamed out, no. Her best friend, Lisa, had also passed away in the accident. A young man hit them from behind and they went into a tree. His blood alcohol concentration was 0.202. From the, the moment that she was gone, my life was immediately changed. There were things that I, as a mom, had to learn all over again. She was an identical twin. They had the same skin, same hair. There were moments when I would look at her and it would kind of take my breath away and I'd be like, oh, you look just like Megan. And I would not allow myself to go there. Within the first two weeks, a little old man asked me at a store about my children and, and I just left her out because I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable. And I boohooed, I mean, I sobbed in my car all the way home. And I said, that will never happen again. For the next... 14 months. We were preparing to have a trial. He pled not guilty. I kept looking for him to have remorse, and I couldn't see it, and that kind of made me angry. I hated what he was doing. I hated that he was defending himself when, in my heart, in all of our hearts, we knew that he was guilty. I knew immediately that I was going to have to forgive him, but I wrestled with it because what's my family going to think and how are they going to view me? Are they going to think that I didn't really love Megan? Immediately following the trial, I was at the attorney's office and he said he had a letter from Eric for me and I read it and absolutely sobbed. He was apologizing. I, I knew that he meant it and I really needed to hear that. The sentencing, that was our one shot at telling the judge, the world, how we felt. I just told him the things that we missed about Megan and how beautiful she and Lisa were. In the middle of it, I just looked at him and said, Eric, I forgive you. Eric stood up and immediately, just all of this emotion. I'm really sorry to the families for what I've done. I don't know how it's about to feel, but I know what I'm going through. And it's got to be worse. I'm sorry. I want you to look at this picture, and I believe 
a lot of you have seen this circulate in Facebook. I think some of you have seen it on the news. Um, but this is a picture of Brant Jean and Amber Geiger. Amber was a police officer. She shot and killed her neighbor. And Brant Jean is the 18-year-old brother of, that, of the, the guy who was shot. And in the middle of the trial and in the midst of them, the sentencing, Brant Jean asked if he could give her a hug. And he told her, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he got up when the judge gave him a chance and hugged her and said that God loves you and I love you and that I forgive you. And what I think is interesting, because this was all over Facebook. If you missed it, man, you missed out because it was everywhere. It was on news. Um, it was on every news outlet. And the reason why is because radical grace will always capture the world's attention. Radical grace will capture the world's attention. Because when we choose to give grace, there is something powerful that happens. And you know what I love about that picture? is that it, it frees him, that he experiences freedom from that pain. He experiences freedom like no other by giving grace and forgiveness. There is a freedom that, experience, that is experienced through it, and God did it on the cross. It captured everyone's attention when God took up every single one of our sins, and he died for all of us, giving us that radical grace. Because it's undeserved, absolutely. It is so undeserved. But it got the attention of the world when he gave himself up for what we have done. So where are you struggling to give grace? What are some areas that are imprisoning you? What are some areas that you are not free of right now? Because I firmly believe that God wants to free you today. I believe it with everything in me. Like, I believe that there are some of you that are, that are holding on to your pain. That you're holding on to that bitterness. That there is something in you that just wants to be free. And God wants to do it. God wants to free you. He wants to give you new life today. He wants to do something in you. It's not, he will do something through you. Don't get me wrong, because he will. He is an amazing God, and he will do it through you. But he wants to do something in you first. Let him do something in you. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.